Radio. You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome to Pet Talk Naturally, the place where your animal friends and nature come together to find health, happiness, and harmony with all the natural things the earth has to offer. Your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason, each week will lead you through the practice of taking care of your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature provides. So, get ready to learn about natural nutrition, preventative pet health, and more with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Well, hello, I'm Dr. Kim. I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Dr. Jeannie, your other host. Today, we're going to be talking with Gail Post, the founder of Bright Haven Animal Sanctuary, educating on natural health for animals. And since we are an animal show, and we talk about animals, and animal nature, and the human-animal bond, and natural animal health, we better tell you that you might hear animals in the background. (laughs) You more than likely will sooner or later. (laughs) Jeannie's African Grey Nick is um, singing today, although he sings quiet right now, and um, um, she has uh, one of her puppies with her, and sometimes they're snoring, and I don't know, it's Jeannie Jungle. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, to the... We're going back to sort of our roots today. Uh, yesterday was our 200th show, and while we didn't do a big anniversary to do, we had our good friend um, Barbara Howard with us. And today we have repeat guest again, as I said, Gail Pope. So before we talk with Gail, she's going to share um, how she takes care of all these elderly animals in her sanctuary, and we are going to talk about some of the animals that um, have left this world um, that were in her sanctuary, and I mean, her animals are quite old, aren't they, Jean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, many of them and living into their 20s. I know, I think that's amazing, and it really goes to how she cares for them, and yeah. um, we're going to hear about that journey today. It seems like um, Bright Haven is also growing with the support network that they have, so it'll be interesting to talk about all of that. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Time to take a walk down the path to happier and healthier pets. And while we're doing that, you get to listen to a few words from our sponsors. Naturally, Pet Talk Naturally will be right back. It's time for school for you and your friends, your furry best friends. Train your dog the fun and easy way with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Teacher's Pet host Pia Silvani teaches you step-by-step how to train your dog the fun and easy way. You get eight 30-minute live audio training sessions, complete transcripts of each session, plus a basic training manual to get you and your dog off to a great start. Training begins the moment you bring your dog home. Teacher's Pet Sessions offers positive reinforcement training to shape your dog's behavior and encourages upbeat, enthusiastic responses to ensure that your dog will enjoy learning. Teacher's Pet Sessions dog training is fun at both ends of the leash. So listen, learn, and laugh with your dog with Teacher's Pet Sessions. Get your copy of Teacher's Pet Sessions Volume 1 today. To order, go to TeachersPetSessions.com. Hi, this is Pia Salvani, your host. Bring your dog, tug toy, and treats, and get ready to have some fun. TeachersPetSessions.com Give your dog some thought with Dog Thoughts. It's the iPhone application that everyone's talking about. Why did I do this? A man in Davis, California says he's invented an application for the iPhone that claims it can read your dog's mind. Huh? No, it's true. Now, I read about it on my cat's Twitter page. That's why. 
Jay Leno talked about it, CBS reported on it, and now you can see what all the buzz is about. Created just for dog lovers, Dog Thoughts makes taking photos of your furry best friend more fun. Shake your dog and read his mind. <gasps> on your iPhone, of course. Take a pic of your pup, shake your phone, and watch as his thoughts appear on the screen. Does he have a bone to pick with you, or is he having a tail-wagging day? Get your Dog Thoughts iPhone app today. Just 99 cents. Go to PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. That's PetLifeRadioPromotions.com. Greetings, human. What planet am I on? Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Aquariums and pond keeping are among the most popular of all hobbies in the United States and throughout the world. In fact, fish are probably the most numerous pet in people's homes and in their businesses. In Aquarium Mania, we'll learn more about the secret and not-so-secret life of fish and other inhabitants, the basics of good aquarium keeping, the complexities of the aquarium industry, and the science and art that surround this fascinating hobby. I'm your host, Roy Anong, and I'd like to thank you for joining us. Aquarium Mania. Every week, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We're back, but our nature walk has just begun. Now, back to Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim and Dr. Jeannie. Well, as we said, today we are visiting with Gail Pope, the founder of Bright Haven. She's been our guest a couple of times, and we're uh, very happy to welcome her back. Gail, are you sitting there with your cup of tea? Oh, you know what? I actually, while I was so intrigued listening to that wonderful introduction, I've almost finished it. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, of course. I couldn't do anything without a cup of tea, could I? I am English. That's right. <laughs> well, Gail, it's wonderful to have you back, and of course we love talking about, I mean, you bring together our whole show focus, and that is natural animal health, the human-animal bond, and animal nature, all in one show every every time we talk with you, so it's kind of nice to put that threefold focus of our show right into a, a conversation with you, and I know that you've had several, uh, most of your animals are elderly, I think that's what you focus on taking into your sanctuary, don't you? We've always focused on the, well, we started off thinking that elderly was somewhere between 14 to 16 age groups, and over time we've realized that elderly for us is 
generally in the 20s, and we even had Frasier, the cat who lived to his middle 30s. So elderly takes on a whole new meaning when you're working with natural medicine and seeing miracles of healing. Doesn't it, though? It really mm-hmm. does, and you really kind of are a testimony for all of us in natural health to prove that out. Um, you did have, you do a really nice memorial for every single one of your um, older animals that um, leave this world, this physical world, and what was interesting to me is I was reading some of those that, uh, I mean, you do, we've also talked about um, Hospice for Animals with you and also with um, um, Dr. Ella Battelle, whom I, I think you know her, don't you? Yes, I absolutely do. Okay, and she, um, so we've talked about how you helped send them off, and I was very intrigued by your most recent loss in August. Um, This was your nurse, Kitty, who then was nursed on her way. That's Charlie. Charlie girl. She came to the Charlie girl. Yeah. Would you tell the audience a little bit about that? Oh, I'd be delighted to. I'm sure she's here listening with us. Charlie came to us as a a sad, tired, defeated old lady who was not very well, hyperthyroid, all sorts of issues. Mm. And she spent a couple of years being miserable and then the magic of Bright Haven took over and very gradually she started to come out of her shell, helped by, obviously, classical veterinary homeopathy, which is, you know, our passion here. And just very, very gradually she started to appear when animals were sick and she would always be with them and as you probably realize with the memories and the stories I write of the animals we I, everything is illustrated and we tried to take lots of photos and we suddenly realized that we were taking photos and there was Charlie sitting in the back of all of them <laughs> never coming forward never really being a very demonstrative cat she was very mm-hmm. I mean she was in her 20s anyway when this started and she was one of these large ladies with short legs who can't jump and so she you know she would stomp around the house oh she was just adorable and (laughs) over the last year she literally was nursed to probably a good half a dozen if not more animals who were leaving and then when the time came for her to start leaving they all started gathering around her too and it's just one of those things that we're really privileged because we we have a lot of animals so and we allow them to kind of form their own society here we don't tell mm-hmm. them where they have to go and they don't have particular rooms or beds okay. they, they go where they want to and it's just whereas one person may have one to four cats we have a lot more and dogs too and so they, they choose where they want to go and they choose their friends and their social structure and so we're really privileged to see this kind of end of life scenario developing it's it, it's oh it's inspiring do you think that in some ways Charlie was the one who showed some of the other animals how to help send off another animal when they were dying? Because she's just there with them, and the photos are amazing. Um, I know, I'd I like to give your website, um, um, Gail, at, bright, at brighthaven.org so people can go. And, and these are you share these stories in your newsletters, in your archive newsletters. Right. Now, it's it's interesting you say that. And really, in fact, it's my fault for being a little bit stupid and slow on the uptake. But oh. we've been seeing this behavior for years and years and accepting it and loving it and it being part of the magic of our lives. And so many other things that animals have taught us, we've just accepted and lived with. And it really was only... Um, 
a couple of years ago that we suddenly started to realize that we needed to start sharing with the world and paying back. I've always written stories about the animals and I've always written obituaries. We put them on the website, but I'd never really, really shared the, the, the close stories of the end of life with other people. And so I think it was probably it started as a cathartic experience because a lot of our old timers from way back when in Southern California were all reaching their middle or late 20s. Mm-hmm. and starting to wind down and we we went through a period where we we were losing more than general and so I started writing about their lives and times and looking at the pictures and suddenly we realized we just have to start sharing it and it's it's become our passion as you know education mm-hmm. is really our passion because we've learned so much and it suddenly appeared to me that one of the things that really is important to share with people are stories of death and how beautiful it can be. It, yeah. I, you know, I was raised very conventionally to be very, very scared of death and never allowed in a room if a person was dying. And, you know, it shouldn't really be like that because death is a part of life and it should be honored. And that's what animals have shown us. So that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do and share it with other people too. I think one of the most pivotal things is, and, and ever since I've been learning about hospice for animals, and due in large part to you and Dr. Battelle, are is is that I still see the the primary mainstream mindset of oh they're sick or whatever's going on and I need to go put them down, and it it bothers me, Gail. Although I do realize that it's just going to take time for people to get to that to, to understand that and embrace that. Um, with animals, you know, we we certainly do with humans, but with animals, it, it's just kind of not something we've thought about. You're absolutely right, but it, I I do believe it will come. And, and talking about Ella, she's a really really good friend of mine, and we're having ongoing conversations at the moment. Hospice care and teaching people about dying animals, helping people with the death of their animals. I do a lot of consultation work. She does a lot of seminars and education about exactly the same thing. And our paths crossed probably less than a year ago when we were starting to go more public with what we had to share. And so we're both very passionate about seeing a hospice movement and an educational, I don't know where this will go, but we really want to see it spread nationwide. It, it's mm-hmm. so important it should. people. I hope so. I really, yeah. I would like to see that. And I, I do know that the veterinary community is also beginning to embrace it. So yeah. here's what. Barely we'll, we'll beginning. Prob- yeah, barely. But um, I think that Gail might have a lot to do with some of that because she does have a lot of veterinarian friends. And as I was reading your site yesterday, I realized that you've brought on some new veterinarians to work with you. Um, I'm sure they're donating their time since you are a nonprofit um, and true sanctuary because your animals are not adopted out. So, But, Gail, you've talked with us before about natural health and natural medicine. So, um, And I'm going to share what you wrote to Jeannie and I today, that someone once wrote that Brighthaven is a research and education center for natural medicine. And you said you thought that that sounded very grand, but then you realized that you've had the luxury of using natural diet and medicine in the care of many animals. So, again, it goes right back to having been privileged to watch the benefits of that, and now you are sharing that. So would you would you talk about that a little bit? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. As I say, we've, we've started our educational direction without even realizing how much we've learned. When you live with a lot of animals over a long time, your knowledge 
is accrued. Like as, as much as a child growing up, and you don't realize what you know until you find that people are constantly asking you questions, and you're really excited to know you know the answers. But, <laughs> you know, I was raised very conventionally um, as far as a human being. And so mm-hmm. when I decided to start Brighthaven without any idea of what I was getting myself into, of course, my direction was conventional. I got a job with a, a wonderful local conventional veterinarian, and I learned for three years all about animal health care. And so I really thought that I was doing a wonderful job. And then it's interesting how the universe works. One by one, people would come into my life and start to educate me. You know, when um, a lady who I think you either have or will have on the show, Vicki Allenson, she was one of my volunteers in the early days, and mm-hmm. she came to me as an animal communicator and with a passion for diet, and I thought she was somewhat loony at the time. <laughs> she was lovely, and she, she, you know, she was convinced that I was poisoning all my animals by feeding them commercial food and tried very hard to persuade me to change to a natural diet. In those days, I really was scared, and I really okay, thought... Could you back me- up for a minute and say that again? You were what? You were scared. I was scared because I was Okay, because that's a standard response that we see. Every single person that we see, it's not that they're resistant to natural medicine necessarily or um, nutrition uh, feeding natural diet. They are afraid because it's so outside of the bag or box, if you will. Mm -hmm. So what what was it that, that, that... Caused your you, fears. <laughs> yeah, to take, to still step your foot, your toe into that, those, those intrepid waters of natural health. <laughs> well, it was probably a combination. It was actually, it really was a combination looking back. I mean, at that time, we probably had anywhere between 80 and 100 cats and about seven dogs living with us. Oh my goodness. Uh-huh. We were treating everybody conventionally, so, you know, we used, I worked for a vet, so we had a lot of very good health care, as, as I thought. Um, and yet we didn't see the level of health getting any better. And, you mm-hmm. know, people would say to me, well, heck, this cat's 19, this, this dog's 20. You don't expect them to get better. They've, they've come here to end their lives. Don't expect any more. And then I would have Vicky standing by me saying, but look, their eyes are dull, their fur's dull. We can do better than that. What have you got to lose? Why don't you just try this? It took her a long time. I was really, really resistant. I think, you know, I'm just... Well, it sounds to me like she was very persistent. <laughs> she was exceedingly persistent. I mean, with, without her being her. persistent, my road would have probably stayed where it was. And right. who knows, maybe I, my eyes would have opened later on, but I was just lucky that I, I took a very hesitant plunge into the world of natural diet. And literally within two weeks we saw changes within a month we saw huge changes and within six months we had a completely different population what kind of changes did you initially start to notice first energy brighter eyes shiny fur and as time went on and for, I mean, for the most part, it was energy. We had a lot of mm-hmm. very arthritic old cats that couldn't jump and would walk stiffly. And within a few weeks, we were seeing that the cats that had to climb up steps to get onto the couch actually managing to jump. We were wow. seeing cats that had never been on the kitchen countertop before while I'm preparing food actually there with their paws in the bowl. So, And you weren't giving them Rimadyl or anything like that. It was all no. natural. Oh, it was literally just diet. We just changed to a raw meat diet. That and, what, and it was just raw meaty diet. Was it very difficult for you to change the cats to that diet? Um, 
Yeah, in all honesty, it's not the easiest thing in the world. Um, I was a complete novice and didn't know what I was doing, so I was uh, sorry about the noise, Joey. Uh, Chihuahua in the wheelchair. It's an animal show. We have animals on it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in all honesty, some animals, and even even the really old ones, I would put raw meat. You know, we had to vary it a little bit. Some I would offer raw meat to and just get the meeting that. Then I would introduce vegetables and supplements once they were on the way. Others I would offer the the mixed up, ready-to-go, natural diet, purporting to be a dead mouse. And they would inhale it as though they'd never tasted anything so wonderful in their lives. So it was a mixture. Others we would feed natural diet to, and they'd they'd look at it as though I'd offered them complete poison. And so we'd, <laughs> you know, we'd put a teeny bit of canned food on the top, and they'd go, oh, it's food. Oh, oh I see. You know, we tricked them. <laughs> exactly. You start to learn because as as our palate and our diet changes, you know, we become used to things, and we're all mm-hmm. beings. Animals are the same as us, and so a cat doesn't. A cat that's been raised on kibble or commercial food doesn't even recognise raw meat, especially in later life. They've never had it. Why would they even know? And all the enzymes in their stomachs. They've all gone. I would venture to say, Gail, also that they are addicted to the the sugar oh, that's yes. in the food oh, you know, because yeah. it's pretty corn syrup laden. Uh huh. Exactly. I'm sure you're absolutely right, and they don't forget that. You know, even now we have animals that have eaten natural diet for more than a decade, and towards the end of their days, they eat less natural diet because they have to have a little canned treat, and some we even put a few pieces of kibble on the top, and once they once they have the taste of that, it, I guess it, it energizes the palate again, but I really don't mind because if they're eating 95% what they should and 5% what they shouldn't, I kind yeah. of wonder it, like maybe for humans. I mean, we do need to have a little right. fun. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. the, the odd McDonald's for a, a non-vegetarian when they get into their nineties is probably not a bad thing. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, who was the first person you learned um, about diet from besides Vicky? <laughs> well, besides Vicky, um, Vicky introduced me to Pat McKay. I'm sure probably lots of people who are listening will recognize the name. I don't mm-hmm. know if Pat actually practices anymore, but she's one of the old gurus of natural diet. She was feeding animals and educating people long before I came along. And, and long before it was popular, I think she was also very um, much uh, um, very passionate writer about it. Absolutely. She frightened the life out of me. <laughs> I think Pat is a very, some of us as we get older become very strong and, and somewhat crusty and Pat is very, very dedicated and very passionate. I, I admire her absolutely greatly. I never ever met her, but without her book, Raining Cats and Dogs, you know, I still mm-hmm. have it. I keep it on my desk now and refer to it. I think she is one of the old greats as far as that mm. goes and she really led me along the way and there's another that's uh, Juliet de Barclay uh, yeah. Levy, mm-hmm. and she's another one for also for large animals as well, and right. um, um, you know with the herbs and so forth. And and so these were pioneer women, and I mean passionate, adamant, stood their ground, didn't want. I'd be afraid to go up against them. That's for sure. Exactly. Oh yeah, exactly. And that's of course where homeopathy came along. We were introduced again. Vicky introduced me to Dr. Christina Chambro, who I'm sure you've probably both had on the show at some yes, point. Yes, we have. 
Mm-hmm. Well, if you've talked to Christina once, you'll know that she was, I mean, she was going to bash me over the head or do anything she needed to persuade <laughs> me that I was going to try homeopathy with my animals. I, you know, I was really convinced. If, if I thought the natural diet was probably going to kill all my animals, to introduce me to energy medicine and try to tell You really thought that that was really off the wall, didn't you? I was completely convinced it was, I mean, it was voodoo of the highest Mm -hmm. (laughs) nature. And so, in fact, I mean, I don't know if I've got time to tell you a quick story, have I, of how I was... Absolutely, you have time. Sure. Well, Cindy was um, a beautiful... I think she was about 20, 21. um, And she was a cat? She was a cat and she lived in my bathroom primarily and she was in renal failure and she was hyperthyroid. She had all sorts of old lady things going on and basically her kidneys were wearing out and she was dying. We gave her subtle fluids every day and they weren't doing anything anymore and she was pretty much not eating, well she hadn't been eating for days and she was clearly approaching death. And on that particular day, I was walking up and down with her in my arms, sobbing. I, you know, I was kind of, I was really, really unhappy, upset. And Vicky called up and really, really excited and said, ah, you'll never guess what. I have just spoken to Dr. Christina Chambro. She is amazing. She is the person to help Cindy. And she's going to talk to you. And she's going to help Cindy. <laughs> and I was really quite cross. I said, you know, Vicky, that's really sweet of you, but Cindy's dying. She, she has maybe a couple of hours. She's literally almost comatose in my arms. I don't want to speak to this woman. And I hung up. Oh. And a little while later, the phone rang. And I picked it up and I was somewhat tearful and hello and a very crisp voice said oh good morning this is Dr. Christine Chambro and I understand you have a cat that might use a little help this morning and I apologized profusely for Vicky's ignorance told her that Cindy was dying and thanked her enormously but said that there was nothing to be done and then she very quietly in her very commanding way said well who's the vet here you or me and I, I kind of went, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. And she said, well, look, I tell you what, you're a really busy lady, right? And it's a really tough time. What about, let's make a deal. How about you sit on the couch for half an hour, you cuddle Cindy, give her the love she needs at the end of her life, and just listen to me and let me talk to you both. And I'm going to ask you some questions. And at the end of that, I'm going to hopefully prescribe a remedy, some medicine for Cindy. And if it works... It'll be wonderful. And if it doesn't work, you've given her another half an hour of love and your own Mm. attention and cuddling. And so, you know, I mean, what could I do? So I said, okay. Anyway, to cut a long story short, Cindy lived for another nine months. Oh, my gosh. And within, I would say, within a year of that conversation, we probably had about a dozen and a half volunteer homeopathic veterinarians, classical homeopathy, of course, who Christina mm-hmm. had kind of recruited to help us with the animals. And these days we recommend vets to people every single day. And homeopathy is my absolute passion. We've seen so many miracles of healing using a combination of natural diet, homeopathy. Obviously, it's all about love. Love is the most single important part of healing, I believe. But you know, I'm sorry, I could talk forever about homeopathy. I'll shut up now. <laughs> oh, you're so funny, Gail. And, you know, that was what's interesting. I was going to say that here is someone who was firmly entrenched in allopathic mindset or traditional medicine mindset and traditional feeding, and you have turned around and become a passionate advocate of um, natural diets 
and homeopathy and, of course, other nutritional supplements that will support the immune system, especially for the elderly and alien animals that come into your care. So what a turnaround because you saw the evidence in the animals, right? Well, it kind of shows that any of us can change it. You know, we, we all get very deep-rooted and set in our ways and and we tend to think that not necessarily we know it all, but we follow a path and we don't look right or left. And so, you know, the last couple of decades has shown me that you just have to stay open all the time, even if you don't believe in something or you don't know much about it. If only you can just remain open. I think, was it Albert Einstein said the mind works best? when it's used like a parachute and kept open. You know, I don't know, I'm sure that's not quite right, but that's exactly how it is. And the more open we've remained to all sorts of energy medicine and the different things that I'm learning about now, the more you learn. And every day, every conversation brings some new learning. And it, really, that's really what the journey is about for us to learn and um, and then hopefully apply. And then as you're doing... Um, it overflowed you, so you're sharing that with others and hopefully encouraging them. Uh, what I've learned, and I'm sure you have also, Gail, it sounds the way you're, you're sharing, that you've allowed people to take those baby steps just like you did so that it, it doesn't overwhelm them. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to be one of those people that would try to shove it down somebody's throat. And um, that didn't work very well for the most part. And now what I do is I just allow, when I share with people that, you know, I I offer them an alternative and then I'll say, but it's up to you. It's your decision. It's your choice. Yes. This is just to empower you with the knowledge to make your own informed decision. And then you want to hold yourself accountable for whatever decision you make and the consequences therein, good or bad. Yeah. And just go with it because it will help you <laughs> open your mind a little bit more to those possibilities. When you, you know, see I think what you're summing up, this is, this is such a big thing. I do lots and lots of consultation work these days and it is a sad fact and I guess I was there with everybody in, in the beginning but people very often come to someone like me or to someone like you when they have a cat or a dog or any beloved being who is, has just been diagnosed with something nasty that could mm-hmm. be about to cause the end of their life. And so they become right. completely frantic to try and find an alternative method. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's how natural medicine has become called alternative medicine because it's always been the alternative. But for us these days, it's the opposite. Conventional is the alternative. But right. And for us also. Right. Yeah. For an acute situation, I think that it has its place and it totally shines in acute emergency heroic situations. Exactly, Um, and we sometimes balance, you know, we we sometimes balance a little bit of conventional where it's necessary. Mm -hmm. I think it's absolutely wonderful. And modern medicine is, without doubt, just, it's just incredible. And where it's needed, it's there and and it does a, a fabulous job. I just don't think in chronic healthcare, it's necessarily needed as the primary. I agree. I think also, I think it can hinder in a lot of respects, and I think that that's where the frustration is for many of those in conventional medicine without realizing it. Um, Some of the things that you did say that you use, and it's funny because Jeannie and I use, I know that she uses um, transfer factor. Um, Colostrum is a big one. Dr. Blake is an advocate of that, and Jeannie and Dr. Blake have convinced me of that. Um, Vitamin C. Stephen Blake introduced me to it. 
like, I don't know, almost two decades ago, he was one of the first practitioners that introduced the nutritional supplement to me. I had no idea what it was, but when he explained how simple it is and how logical it is that it would help the immune system, I kind mm-hmm. of very grudgingly well, and it's a basic. Well. It's a basic life. Um, it's part of natural life anyway, colostrum is. So exactly. within, and then the colloidal silver. Now, I wasn't, again, that was one of those, I have to try things for myself, but boy, am I convinced about that. And Jeannie isn't definitely an advocate of colloidal mm-hmm. silver, aren't you, Jeannie? After um, and, some time, yeah. And it's, and it's inexpensive. It's a natural, it's a natural antibiotic, but it does so much more. It's so much more, I think, than an antibiotic, but, mm-hmm. um, it, there's just so you many know, things that it does. I would go ahead, Gail. I'm say, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I did. Something just occurred. You know me. If a thought comes, I have to grab it quick. I'm not <laughs> what just occurred to me is, as you're talking, um, that I think with something that really, really inspired me and has kind of changed my way of thinking a little bit is to realize that we're all beings people beings, animal beings, and when you know people come to me and they say, well, can I give her this? Is it safe to give her that? What about this? And, well, how about that? And it, it, when somebody said to me, just think of us as all beings, most things in nature are safe for all beings. Mm-hmm. And homeopathy treats all beings. It's not for cats, dogs. It's, I mean, it's obviously primarily it was developed for humans, but right. it mm-hmm. doesn't make a difference. And so, But animals yeah. do instinctively, if they were allowed access they would know what to do horses that are allowed yes. to graze in pastures that have you know their natural herbs and natu- you know the natural herbs growing in that pasture will know how to medicate and what to eat yes um, exactly and you know maybe i think humans would be the same if we could turn the clock back several several thousand years <laughs> we would have that same ability i think maybe we you know we're just conditioned away from nature and it may be well and i think a little bit of propaganda that. also um um gail although that's a political focus um, i do think that we've just been conditioned that might be a better way of saying it that we've been conditioned to believe only one way when in reality there's a multitude of ways to um, help your health you know one of the basics for naturopathy which Jeannie and i both are naturopaths is um, the very foundation, which will stun people probably, is just water and sunshine and then right. nutrition. Yep. Water is a huge natural way to heal. Mm-hmm. And um, we have forgotten those. We have put all that folk, what we thought or considered was folk medicine, behind right. us when in reality it was it was really a great way to go. The difference is that it takes a little time. There's no magic bullet and in reality, there isn't with traditional medicine either, Gail, as you know. It, it, mm-hmm. it can mask symptoms and make it appears, though, in animals will. But really, it's just taking the disease in a different direction into the body. So they're really not well. It just appears to be that, well, you might have a headache go away um, because you took an aspirin, but that doesn't mean that the cause of the headache isn't still there. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. So what we do is help people get back to their instinctive nature to you know and and doing the same thing with their animals i have found and i wonder if you found this also that many of the veterinarians we encounter who are doing natural medicine now it's because they had an illness of their own and when they got well through natural methods they decided to apply that in their practice Mm -hmm. i think that's very very often the case and and particularly with veterinarians the ones i speak to they've practiced in conventional veterinary medicine for sometimes quite a few years before they suddenly realize that over and over and over again 
they're they're not curing anything. They're treating symptoms. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they're treating more symptoms and then they're treating more mm-hmm. symptoms and they're not actually ever seeing anyone get well and they become right. really frustrated and upset and that's when they start to explore other forms of medicine, go back into training and having spent so many years training for that DVM which is precious, they then have to start relearning and I mean it's a wonderful thing because then they have the magic of both sides of the fence to practice from. And I agree. Uh, yeah, and I hope that more of them will embrace that because then they'll have, you know, I I would think that many of them went in um, to practice because they loved medicine or hopefully, I am hoping more of them because they just cared about animals and wanted to have, to be able to care for animals and help them be healthy. Um, I don't know the status on that, but um, just like yourself, Jeannie and I both worked in veterinary medicine and we weren't as fortunate to work with the kind of <laughs> the veterinary that you worked with. Um, they weren't necessarily animal lovers and um, they definitely cared about medicine more than what they were actually doing with it. So um, that was interesting for us. And not standing here in judgment, Gail, just saying that's probably what motivated Jeannie and I more to look towards natural uh, yes. health for our way of caring for animals because we wanted, we truly wanted to help animals be well and not wait until they're sick. Right. So we're hoping that um, we, by sharing with people like you, that people will learn, come first and start here first, and then you won't need to go to have the treatments later if you can exactly. prevent it in the first place. Well, I think it's a very simple analogy. Again, I, you know, when people come to me, I'm, I love working with people because they're very often exactly where I was, and you know, I was kind of suspicious and unsure and mm. overwhelmed. And when they start to talk their way through, you feel such empathy. And if you can only just tell them to take it very, very slowly, but just remain open and look at just simple fact that in natural medicine we believe that the body we treat the body as a whole and when the body expresses something that isn't right in the balance of that whole being we call it a symptom and so instead of trying to make the symptom go away we look at it as a clue as to what might be wrong with the whole body and it's such a simple and precious way of looking at health that it kind of I don't know it it just spurred me on and made me realize it it's just so very Mm -hmm. important well, even to the point, and I'll share with our audience because we're running down to the last few minutes here, but I'd just like to let them know that you provide booklets about um, elderly animal care and tra- transition. You have two, one as time goes by and also into the light. You offer consultations on um, all of your work, including um, the um, hospice work and seminars on natural modalities. Um, at Brighthaven and also you do and I thought this was interesting that you do a monthly rose ceremony in memory of the ones who have died yeah. and it's done at your uh, right there at Brighthaven in this gorgeous huge living room that you have um, and then you also have the Rainbow Bridge monthly group forum that people can come and learn and talk about the death process so I think it's important that people know that you have all of these um, resources available to them uh, at as part of Brighthaven's um, outreach on educating on natural animal health, Gail. Mm-hmm. And also, um, you have a Brighthaven Internet network of animal lovers. So I think there's just a lot of things that people can, um, you know, find out through your organization and yeah. help uh, learn about. But why don't you tell us um, what is in the pipeline in the remaining minutes and also how people can help Brighthaven because, after all, you are a sanctuary and a nonprofit. Uh, you do need help. Oh, absolutely. We always need help. <laughs> um, 
basically what we've got in fact one thing that's really really exciting to me um, just going along the path of education we start to realize that children are the adults of the future and when I look mm-hmm. back to the fact that my mind was educated in a certain direction we're, we're trying to focus on children one of my very good friends and volunteers is writing a children's book um, in which Joey, our little chihuahua in a wheelchair, is is like a focus and he welcomes children into the world of Brighthaven. And that book hopefully is going to be out around Christmas time. I can't wait to see it. It's a secret Aww. at the moment, so I don't know very much more about it. Um, the other thing we're doing, we're starting to put together group programs um, for children so that they can sign up in in school holiday time and come along and we're going to teach them about natural mm. medicine and we're going to aim it at like 7 to 12 year olds wow. oh that's wonderful give them yeah. some basics of what there is naturally out there and have things like have them come along and participate so that they can actually make a flower essence and, and understand mm. what it is All very simple but natural things a natural diet is natural we should eat things that are, are more natural as, as humans so Children are very open to learning about that. So that's yeah. one. I'm excited that you're going to teach them how to oh, make flower essences. That I know. Them such, such, you know, the beauty of, I've heard um, different people say things like, well, the flowers are beautiful and that's what they're there for. And I'm thinking, no, there's so much more than that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And children accept things like that just so openly. I, you know, if I'd have learned a little bit more about natural health care when I was a young girl, I, God, where would I be now? I, right. I know. Right. I know my grandmother raised roses, and they were the beautiful mm-hmm. um, heirloom roses, just and fragrant. And I thought, if I knew now what I knew, you know, if I could just apply what I knew now, then that would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. absolutely. So I think children these days are, you know, they get introduced to computers and the the, the learning process they go through and the adaptability of a young brain. I know that we should start much much earlier. Definitely. I agree. Totally agree. Mm -hmm. I think children are where we need to go. There is one thing I would like to say. Al, when we stopped bringing animals into Brighthaven, I started my online networking to try and find homes for animals that we couldn't accept, that other people didn't particularly want, the unadoptables, the ones that were older or disabled. And I started just sending out emails to people and saying, I know you can't help. I'm, I'm not pushing you. All I'm asking is that you send it unto somebody else because out there someone, somewhere is going to adopt this cat or dog or whatever animal. Mm-hmm. Please just send it along. And over the last few years, it has grown and grown. And anybody that might be interested in just joining it, I don't send out the kind of horrific emails that we're all familiar with that make you want to cry. I send out mm-hmm. stories that are very pretty. There are no bars and... There are no euthanasias. Like, if you don't help this animal, they're going to be dead by Friday. I right. don't do that kind of thing. <laughs> no fear factors involved. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm glad you're taking a different road because mm-hmm. that does kind of come across our desk a lot, Gail, and it is depressing. So. It is, and I, I like to do this in a softer way. I mean, it's just as, it's just as awful. There are so many thousands and millions of animals being euthanized and losing their homes every day, and the more we can do to help even just one it, it, it just has a ripple effect and, and I know it can grow so if anybody would like to sign up please email me info at brighthaven.org and I would love to have you come and join our network mm-hmm. and they can also uh, book a consultation with you by emailing you at that number also I mean at that email address also right Gail oh I would love it yes please 
And in the remaining minutes, um, we have a few minutes left. Why would you tell people how they can help Bright Haven? Well, obviously, that good old that good old money thing comes first, making a donation. <laughs> you know, we have we obviously we still have a lot of animals here, and the finances are are always tricky. We we're always trying to fund the animal care as well as education and we'd love to steam forward more with our education program but in order for us to put together seminars and events and for me to take more time and do consultations you know it it all comes down to money so that would be amazing supporting us by buying the booklets we do have use our resource guide we you know we try to put as much as we can in there to give people ideas where to go to read or find out about the things we use um and joining the network. That would mm-hmm. be just brilliant. Well, I hope that everybody will do yeah. that and go to www.brighthaven.org. And you can also um, send donations to P.O. Box 1743, Sebastopol. I'll spell that S-E-B-A-S-T-O-T-O-L, California. Is it 19743, Gail? That's Okay, um, my ca- my cousin lives in Sebastopol, so I'll have to let her know where you're, and so she can go check out your organization. <laughs> I know, it would be, and I've been there so many times, how interesting that you were there. That is just so awesome. Well, Gail, in the remaining um, couple of minutes, what words of wisdom do you most want to impress upon the audience in closing? Oh, God. <laughs> the whole thing has been wisdom, but what what would you think that would encourage people to want to take that little step forward, put their toe in that water, and step into natural health? Well, I guess at the risk of being boring, what I say <laughs> is that we're all, obviously everybody that's listening, we're only here, all of us, because we love animals. Um <laughs> And so I'm going to go back to what I said before, to animal lovers everywhere. Think of us as all beings. We're people beings. They're animal beings. And anyone who has ever loved an animal knows that they have somewhat better of an understanding of life than most of us. We seem to have lost our natural abilities along the way. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that when we truly open ourselves and allow our animals to be our teachers and lead us, that's when we really start to experience true magic in our lives. People talk about Brighthaven as a magical place, and the magic isn't what we've created. The magic is what the animals have created, and there is a magic. Mm-hmm. And so once you, once you open yourself to the magic of all things natural, then it will all start to flow. And just take little teeny steps at a time, because then you'll find yourself keeping going in the right direction and not getting overwhelmed. Thank you so much, Gail. That yeah, was thank you, Gail. awesome words of wisdom. We appreciate you being with us today, and we hope that everyone will visit brighthaven.org um, and help, and also go visit them in Sebastopol. And thank you so much again for being with us, Gail. We appreciate you so much, and um, send our love to all your animals. Oh, thank you, Kim. Thank you, Jeannie. It's just an absolute pleasure, as always. It's just a pity the show couldn't be at least three hours longer. <laughs> <laughs> I know it always goes too fast. It does. And Jeannie, in the spirit of love and truth, we hope you all have a tail-wagging, hoof-stomping, wing-flapping, perfectly animal-talking day. Pets and nature come together every week on Pet Talk Naturally with your hosts, Dr. Kim Bloomer and Dr. Jeannie Thomason. Learn how to care for your pets with all the wonderful natural elements that nature has to offer so your pets can live a happy, healthy, and harmonious life. 
Pet Talk Naturally, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Naturally.